Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. God communicates in a multitude of ways, through pictures, through our conscience, through our, the Word, through all kinds of different things, through messages. I did want to kind of tie it in because there's this other theme that's happening, <clears throat> and that is uh, water. <laughs> there's a water theme going on, and I'm going to tie this to this uh, update that you were given when you came in. Uh, and if you didn't get one, try to grab one before you leave, or we're going to email it out to everyone. I very, very rarely uh, uh, will do this and communicate a financial need to the church uh, for a couple of reasons. One, you're such a generous church and a giving church, and as a church, financially, we, we are doing like far better than we've ever done uh, in, our, in, the, in the years that we've been a church. Last year was just amazing, broke every record, and uh, came into this year really strong, but then a, a whole bunch of things happening. You know, every week, something around here needs to be repaired. You, you, don't, you don't hear any of that. We just take care of it. There's always something broke, getting repaired, so it's no big deal. But when a whole bunch of things happen all at once, I stepped back and go, wow, you know, there's a lot of it going on. And to the point where I needed to communicate to have you perfectly consider helping uh, out. So real quickly, you can read through all the details. Uh, One is that the Iglesia building downtown that we're buying to uh, keep as a ministry center. We've been doing ministry, but we need to buy it in order to preserve that. And we're planting a church there in addition to the college ministry that we've been doing. And we really want that to be our focused uh, outreach center as a congregation. We're going to reach out to that high-need neighborhood. But uh, we did get approved for a loan. Unfortunately, they approved us for only ninety thousand, and we needed one hundred and ten, and so that's twenty thousand dollars less than we needed. Even though we raised forty-eight thousand five hundred dollars, come on, give it up. That was great. Forty-eight thousand, <clears throat> and in less than three months, you, you as a church uh, raised forty-eight thousand, almost fifty thousand dollars. And you know, I would really love it if we could just get the other hundred thousand dollars. And I could go to the bank and go, we don't need your money. So that would really make me happy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I'd say, hey, Lisa, thanks, but we don't need your money. Uh, <laughs> um, but in order for this to work, we need at least $10,000. Uh, uh, we're going to make it work one way or another, but it, uh, we need a, uh, to raise an additional 10000 and we can, we can finagle that other 10000 And then in Vandalia, our, our, our rural church plant, uh, about 50 miles from here, they're doing fantastic. But in February, uh, a water pipe in the attic, why they put it in the attic, I don't know. <clears throat> but it broke and flooded the classroom section and did $18,000 worth of damage. And this is where the water was like... Yeah, we just had that happen. Uh, it was literally when they started the service on a Tuesday, our Tuesday midweek service down there, water was literally raining down and, and destroyed two walls. And, and so the insurance, we don't know how much insurance is going to cover, but we needed to make some changes. And so insurance will cover the minimum, and we needed to make some changes. Now would be the time to do that. So we need to raise uh, probably about another 10000 for that. <clears throat> 
Uh, and then here, a couple of things happened this winter. Again, I normally wouldn't communicate this, but because they all came upon us at once, one of the main furnaces, it actually is right behind that wall, so I keep pointing there, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, is just broke. It uh, needs to be replaced, um, and that's uh, $6,500. And then we have PA problems. Uh, our sound system is almost 20 years old. And the guy keeps saying, you know, you can't fix this forever. It really needs to be upgraded. And so it's just 5,500, which isn't too much for a, a sound system. And it will be better as well as new. And so that comes to $12,000. So there's, uh, and just, just to kind of tie it in, Tori's brand new, or the administrator here's just got a brand new MacBook and uh, really needed it. I mean, it was a, it's a tool. Uh, and uh, it got baptized. Uh, and it's, it's not fixable. While she was writing this. Yeah, come on. So, uh, but that's not even on here. So it totals uh, $50,000. Uh, 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 if you add these all together. But if we just get the minimum for the Iglesia, not the 20000 but the 10000 minimum, we need to make that happen. About 10000 for Vandalia. And then the 12000 for... Uh, the the PA and the furnace here that brings it down to thirty two thousand and the good news is we actually already have ten percent of that raised because people have been giving regularly to the um, building fund because someone already donated thirteen hundred dollars for the classroom repairs down in Vandalia so we have ten percent of it so I'm asking you we need within the next couple of weeks to raise twenty eight thousand dollars but. Uh, yeah, can we just pray for that? <clears throat> so listen, when, when this is what happens. So bad things happen, <clears throat> like this picture depicts storms and rains, and you get depressed and you go, oh, the devil's attacking me. And you know what? It's not the devil. Or if it is the devil, we're not going to give him credit. All right? It's a broken water pipe. You know? Okay, it's a furnace. It's 20 years old. It needs to be replaced. It's just life. So let's, let's take away the umbrella and receive the rain from God. All right? So, and maybe that's in your life too. Maybe you're having financial difficulty. We're going to take away the umbrella and let God rain on us, his blessing. The heavens will open. So, Father, we just take all these needs to you and all the needs in our lives, broken cars, unpaid bills, whatever it may be, uh, sickness in our body, we take it to you and we take away the umbrella and, and we receive the rain from heaven, uh, open heaven as a blessing that brings growth in life. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. All right. <clears throat> All right. Now I get to preach. So we're going through uh, the creed, which is uh, our basic doctrine, statement of faith. And so if you're new to Christianity, or if you're not a Christian, or if you hate Christianity, <coughs> or you hate Christians, then you're in a good place, because we're going through the basics of what Christianity is, and it's summed up in a creed called the Nicene Creed, which was written in 325 AD, 1700 years ago. And it was actually based on another statement called the Apostles' Creed, which they don't know when it was written. And the reason they call it the Apostles' Creed is because they believe the tradition holds that it was written by the Apostles. Before they scattered abroad, they sat down and said, okay, these are the fundamentals of the faith. The Nicene Creed expanded it and uh, added and clarified some things. And so that has been a statement of faith agreed upon by nearly every Christian uh, group, uh, just about every Christian group, that these are the essentials of what defines Christianity. It shaped Christianity. It is literally shaped. These ideas, 
These truths, these beliefs, have shaped civilizations uh, that have been uh, based on the Judeo-Christian worldview, most of the Western civilization, and uh, it has shaped lives, thousands, millions and millions of lives uh, for over 1,700 years, and so it should shape our lives as well. And so that's why we're going through it, but in order for those things to happen, we need to understand it, we need to understand what it means, why it's important, and how it should shape our life. Uh, and so those are the three questions that I'm bringing when I teach on each one of the segments. Now, we, we rotate teachers. Last week, Graham was here, did a great job talking about uh, a lot of the historical aspects of it and the, the divinity of Jesus Christ. And I think next week, Kathy Spaulding's going to be here talking about <coughs> Jesus' death uh, um, and burial. Today, we're talking about why did Jesus come? The question, why did Jesus come? And we're going to read the creed. Read the creed. There we go. So let's read it together uh, aloud. Are you ready? On three. One, two, three. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, one in being with the Father. Through him all things were made. Yeah, uh, there's different versions, so we normally say. <laughs> uh, so this is an English translation. It wasn't written in English. You know why? Because it's the 325, no one spoke English. <laughs> Okay, my, Kathy says, just keep going. It wasn't that funny. <laughs> okay, this is the part we're going to talk through today. All right, all allowed together? For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, universal, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sin. And we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. All right. So those are, uh, that's the creed, and we're going through it piece by piece. Today we're talking about this section about Jesus' incarnation. And it says, for us... Uh, just establishing that Jesus was God Almighty, and through him all things were created, Jesus, creation, but then for us and for our salvation. So what does this mean? Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? He came for us and for our salvation. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's that simple but we make it so complicated. 
We, we think of all kinds of... And, and realize that this was the motivation. Jesus came for us. I think it's amazing what is left out of the creed. All right? If you just sit down and think, well, look at all the things that they didn't think were that important. And one thing is sin isn't mentioned in the creed. Salvation is, but it's only mentioned in the context of Jesus coming as our rescuer. And Jesus was motivated to come for, for me, for you, for your neighbor, the person that lives close to you, for your coworker or your st- the students in your class, for your friends and for your enemies. He was motivated uh, to come. That was the reason. Regardless, every man, woman, child on planet Earth, Jesus came for them. All right? <clears throat> Jesus did not have to come. The Father did not have to send his only begotten Son. He didn't have to. He didn't have to. All right? So why did he? Well, it's very important. Because God so loved. It's not that he loved the world. He so loved. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In other words, what other possible way could express the extravagance of God's love than sending his only begotten son? Uh, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. For us, for our salvation, that was the motivation for Jesus' coming. And it changes the way we see God. And that's why it's important. It reveals Knowing this truth reveals God's character. And you know what the purpose of life is? (laughs) That's the meaning of life. (laughs) That's the answer to the ultimate question. But the purpose of life is to know God. To come into a relation, to know God. And so... The revelation of God's character, you can't get more important than that. And you know what? This shows us that God is not egocentric. Okay? God did not do this for his glory. And this is something that I think Christians often get confused about. All right? That uh, God didn't have to send Jesus Christ to prove anything to God or to prove anything about God. He did it for us, not for him. And that tells us a lot about God. God is a lover. He's passionate. And he's in love with his creation. He's in love with every man, woman, and child on planet Earth. And he did this for his beloved. So God's motivation uh, is us and our salvation. That's what motivated him to send Jesus to come to Earth. Um, how should this shape us? Well, uh, you know, what difference should this make in our life? Well, it it changes the way we view God and it should change the way we view ourselves. We, we see that God is, uh, willing to do whatever it takes to 
communicate his love and to save us, to rescue us from whatever circumstances we are in. All right? And so we do everything for God's sake as a reflection of his nature. All right? This is where people get confused because we understand that doing everything for God's glory is important, right? That, that we're not to be self-centered. We're, we're to do everything for, for God's sake. But for God, everything was done for our sake. And so John or not, some of you may know him, he leads our association, a network of churches. And he says this, he gets, he gets in trouble saying this sometimes. But um, he'll go to church and say, oh, it's all for God's glory. It's, we're, it's all for Jesus. We're doing this. This is all for Jesus. Or this is for God. And, and everything's done for God. And um, he was like, well, not really. Well, what do you mean it's not for God's glory? It's actually about you. See, what, what God is caught up with is you. All right? Now it's right for us to be caught up with bringing God's glo- God glory, but it's not because God just wants attention. <laughs> God doesn't need our attention. We need his. We need to realize our need for his. Okay, and so people get this idea. Well, everything and it's, it, it's a fear motivation that everything has got to be done for God's glory. When in fact, it's like, yeah, but that's that's it's it's like how marriage pictures the relationship, and so it really is like a marriage. But actually, marriage is like Christ in the church. That's the illustration that um, is used to understand how God interacts with the church or, or Christ followers. It's it's. He gave us the illustration of marriage. And so to, for each spouse to be all about the other spouse makes the relationship deeply intimate, right? But if I came home and needs, my wife needs to serve me and do everything for me and honor me, but I'm not the same way toward her, then it gets corrupted. But sometimes we think that way about God. Oh, we got to worship God or else he'll punish us. No, he's a lover and he wants to draw us into relationship because what motivates him is us. And so as a reflection of his character, he then motivates us. Does that make sense? So it changes our view of God, but it also should change your view of yourself. That God really cares about you. All right? You have tremendous value. Wow! He was willing to, 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 to leave heaven and come down to earth for you and for our salvation. It changes how we represent him to those around us. Okay? So we don't represent him as a mean, angry God that demands everyone to bow before him. You know? As though he needs our affirmation. But we represent him as a, as a loving father who's willing to sacrifice everything to restore relationship. That's a big difference. Next statement is, he came down from heaven. So Jesus came down from heaven. What does this mean? It means that Jesus is God. Again, Graham did a great job last week. If you didn't hear it, you can listen to it online. Uh, uh, Graham goes into the historical perspective of this debate about the, the divinity of Jesus Christ. 
But Jesus Christ was in heaven. He came down from heaven. And so he is uniquely pre-existing before his conception. And sometimes Christians, or when we communicate the message of the gospel, sometimes we miss it because uh, people who are not familiar with the Bible or Christianity, you know, when you talk about Jesus, well, Jesus was born uh, 2,000 years ago and he lived a perfect life and he was sacrificed. But the, it's essential to our faith that we understand that he existed before he was born. In fact, he existed eternally, and through him all things were created. Okay? And so Jesus coming down from heaven uh, is a significant aspect of our faith, that Jesus existed eternally, and at one point in human history, a specific historical time, he took on human form. So he's equal, he was equal in all ways with God. Uh, in John 3, right, after, right in the same context of For God So Loved the World, it says this, uh, a few verses before, it says, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Okay, and so this is saying that you can't get up to heaven. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But the only one that can, uh, uh, can go to heaven is the one that first came down. And Jesus is that one. That he came down from heaven <clears throat> in order to accomplish our salvation. And this is significant because heaven and earth are represented as being disconnected. And that disconnect happened in the garden when there was sin. Uh, and it happens in our lives. We disconnect from God when we, when we sin, when we choose to do what we want to do over what God wants us to do. When we say, God, you're not on the throne of my life. I'm on the throne of my life. That's sin, and that separates from God. But that, was, that happened uh, uh, literally. There was a divide when Adam and Eve uh, uh, sinned and were e evicted from the garden, the place where they had enjoyed communion with, the, with God. God would walk with them in the cool of the night, the story goes. And so there was open communion, open communication. They were together, God and man, existing together <clears throat> on earth. But that came to a crashing halt when sin entered in and disobedience. And, and all of a sudden, Adam and Eve were cast out. And so they, they weren't able to connect with God uh, like they had before they had sinned. And so there was a breakdown. And so this is why it's important that that disconnect between heaven and earth be repaired. Well, how was that repaired? God came down. He came down from heaven as a means to repair the disconnect. It's important because most religions uh, teach that humans must ascend, okay? And that's the lie that is underneath so much heresy, so much uh, uh, other world religions. Uh, it's the lie uh, beneath uh, humanism and atheism that just says, you know what? You just, if you just do this, or if you just do that, then you will ascend. You will, we will survive. As a, even if they're, they're atheists, they don't believe in the afterlife. It's like the human race will attain, you know, perfection or uh, a betterment through this or that. Or if you do these, these ceremonies, you, if you have these baptisms, if you practice these rituals, you will become a, a better person. Or if you, if uh, from Eastern religion, if you, if you live properly and you, and do the right 
uh, behaviors and treat other people better, then in your reincarnation you'll have a better life and eventually you'll obtain you know, ultimate nirvana. And so these are all different adaptations of this lie that we can do it on our own. It's the same lie that was whispered to Eve in the garden. You know, you can be like God. If you just break that one commandment, you'll be like God. But that's not true. It's the lie that we find in the, in the story in the Old Testament where they tried to build a tower to reach heaven. And the lie was we can ascend into the heavenlies. We can reconnect through our own power and devices. But it wasn't, it wasn't possible. And so God said that that's not going to work and confused them. And it's the same lie believed in another ancient story about Lucifer, who we believe represents the devil. And it says in the Old Testament, uh, speaking of him, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend. I can, I can get as high as God. I can take over. And that was, that was when he believed that, uh, Lucifer fell. All right, and that is the origin of, of Satan and the division that, that happened. Same lie over and over and over again all throughout human history. And it's the same lie today. It's the same lie that's found in religion, even Christian religion. If you do these seven things, if you keep these ten steps, if you pray enough, worship enough, sing loud enough, all these requirements. But Jesus demonstrated no. That's not how to get to heaven. Heaven has to come to you. And he demonstrated it by coming down, bridging the separation between heaven and earth in his, own, in his body. All right? <clears throat> well, how should that shape us? How should that change how we live? I think it's important that we just don't believe that lie. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the enemy continues to say the same lie. It's said a million times. You hear it every day in every form. You, if you listen to it, it's constant. It's being shouted. You can do it if you just do this. If you just do this. Some people think it's the Holy Spirit. It's actually the accuser. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and you'll make God happy. And, and the truth is, you need to understand that God, you already make God happy. Oh, that's good. That's good. All right? It's like a baby. When a baby is born, a parent doesn't get upset when they poop their, their diaper. Yeah, they get, they get concerned if they're not, right? You know? Oh, look at he's squatting over in the corner. <laughs> Isn't that cute? <laughs> Honey, it's your turn. <laughs> right? So when kids make mistakes, you love them. You love them first. And that love enables you to have influence to transform them, right? Well, guess what? It's the same thing with the Father. He loves you. All right? You can't. You can't earn his love by being good. You be good when you receive his love and allow that love to change you. Uh, Believe the truth. Jesus bridged that chasm between heaven and earth. Put your faith in Christ and say, I can't make it apart from Christ, but in Christ, I can make it. I have made it already. That heaven is now accessible in Christ. Listen, Jesus came down from heaven, the, 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 the gap, the chasm between heaven and earth was bridged in the person of Jesus Christ. That means heaven is accessible in Christ. Uh, the writer of Hebrews talks about this. He says, dear, blo- dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus 
By his death, Jesus opened a new and living, life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Right, and so he's referring to the temple, and that in the temple, in the uh, Jewish uh, uh, worship system, there was a curtain between where people could come in the holy place and in the holy of holies where the ark was. And only the high priest could come into that holy of holy places where God's actual presence dwelt uh, once a year. But it says that uh, in Jesus, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain so that we all can enter in, all right? Heaven is accessible, and it's accessible now. Everybody say now. 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 All right? So heaven is not about after you die. <laughs> Beth says amen. <laughs> okay? Every, heaven is about now. All right? Heaven is where God dwells. All right? And yeah, after you die, you'll go to heaven until the resurrection when you're given a new body and you come back with Jesus and spend eternity on earth. Okay? Well, that's a different, that's a different lessons. All right? Heaven that this is talking about is now. We can enter into the heavenly realm. We can enter into the presence of God through Christ right now. It's not something that you have to wait until after you die. You must embrace this because this is why Jesus came. This is salvation. Having open access to the holy place, uh, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place right now. And we're called to live there, actually, to go in and out. <clears throat> what does this mean? Oh, okay. So uh, the next statement is, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit is, was equally involved uh, with carna incarnation. Uh, not carnation milk. <laughs> I should have had some of that. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit was equally involved with the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Incarnation is becoming flesh, becoming human. As much as the Father was, as much as Jesus himself was. In fact, um, the whole uh, uh, incarnation is foreshadowed in the creation story. And so if you read through Genesis 1, where the Holy Spirit brooded over the face of the earth, where all was chaos and dark, and then, and then God spoke, and the word uh, caused everything to be created. Well, that's the same. That imagery communicates the truth of what happened when the Holy Spirit brooded, and it was the same actual word that's used, over Mary and the Father's power overshadowed her. Uh, that's the word overshadowed, brooded. brooded uh, and in Mary, Christ was formed. All right? And so we have the same idea. That the Holy Spirit is the active agent in, in, was the active agent in actually forming Jesus Christ physically in the body of the Virgin Mary. Well, why is this important? Well, the Holy Spirit is important and integral to salvation, okay? And our recreation. And in fact, the Holy Spirit forms Christ in us. Okay? How should this shape? How, how do we apply this? Listen, the Holy Spirit is not optional. 
It's not like, well, you get saved and you accept Jesus and you read the Bible and you learn the Bible. And yeah, if you're really excited about God, you can get, maybe some of those people get filled with the Holy Spirit. That's kind of optional. No, it's not optional. The Bible says no one can say that Jesus Christ is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is active. And so we should seek to be filled and free in the Holy Spirit as, as, so that we can have Christ formed in us. All right? He's active. It's tr- we're a Trinitarian church. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, all working together. All right, it says he was born of the Virgin Mary <clears throat> by the Holy Spirit, power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and became man. What does this mean? The virgin birth is central to the faith. Jesus is unique and the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. It's important that we understand that central to the faith was that Jesus Christ is fully human at the moment of conception. And so we don't know how it happened. The Bible does not tell us how, hardly ever. (laughs) Because we're going to have eternity to talk with God and figure that all out. Uh, But it says the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and Christ was in her. Uh, So a miracle happened. And so he took on humanity. Uh, he, he literally was. I believe it was a, the egg from Mary and a Holy Spirit created sperm, uh, DNA from, uh, that was created uh, by uh, the power of God. And so you have a half human, half God, <laughs> you know, cre- uh, uh, Christ, DNA, yeah, the DNA. Uh, Jesus existed eternally, so he took on that human form. But he started from the moment of conception. All right? So that means every aspect of human existence, Jesus experienced. Jesus was an embryo. You know? And totally dependent on Mary for all that time. Jesus went through the birth canal. How many of you remember that? <laughs> Every aspect of being a human, he's experienced. He's, Jesus is not a spirit being. He's not an ascended master. He didn't just show up. And listen, people regularly come up with this idea. People on earth today, in America actually, whole religious systems actually teach this. <laughs> that he was actually not really human. That was a mistake. That he, was, he just showed up. Oof, you know. Some people teach that he, he kind of like possessed the body of the, a man, Jesus, during his ministry time, and then right before he was crucified, left. And this other guy just had to die. <laughs> we laugh at it, but like millions and millions of people around the world really wholeheartedly believe that, okay? And the, the creed tackled that idea straightforward and said, no, he is fully human. He was born of a virgin and he became man. He took on humanity. In Christ, God became man. That's what incarnation means. But listen, incarnation, learn that word if you want to understand Christianity because this was the pinnacle example of incarnation in that God actually took on human form. But all through the Bible, God is constantly coming into the world and humanity constantly because he's an incarnational God. He's all about the way God relates to mankind is he gets inside us. All right? 
He gets inside our time. He gets inside our circumstances. He gets inside our lives. And Jesus is the ultimate expression of that. Uh, It's a radical departure from nearly every other faith that teaches that we have to ascend to God and that God is untouchable. In fact, I was in Morocco, which is a Muslim nation, about 10 years ago. And there was a group of us. We split into two groups. There was about, I don't know how many were there of us. 15? So, so seven or eight of them were uh, uh, praying in this, in this square in Marrakesh. It's this place that holds probably 10,000 people every night. They have this big party. It's a blast. I want to go back. Yay. <laughs> but we just sang, they got in a circle, and they were just singing a cappella Christian songs. And the other half were on the outside interceding. And there was about four or 500 people just gathered together to listen to them sing. Yeah, in a circle, they were being crushed, you know, uh, because they were so interested and they were grabbing at their song sheets and, and they were so uh, amazing. And I was one of the intercessors because I can't sing. And, <clears throat> and so we were walking around the outside. And of course, this is Marrakesh. This is a crazy place, okay? It's loud, there's instruments. People are sp- speaking all kinds of different languages, not English. And so when I'm in a place like that, I talk in tongues out loud. <clears throat> so I'm andorosamamalandre, because these people are, apparently it's like hundreds of people are, are hearing the gospel being sung to them. So I'm andorosodomalandrande, I'm interceding, I'm just walking around. It was my eyes open, I wasn't shaking my hand. I was andorosodomalandrande, you know, uh, incognito uh, prayer. <laughs> but this one woman was walking past, and, and she looked at me, and she looked at me again. She, I could tell she was listening to me. And she stopped, she turned, walked up to me and said, excuse me, sir, what language are you speaking? I said, well, why do you ask? She said, I speak almost a dozen languages. I'm a language expert, and I cannot figure out what language you're speaking. I said, oh. I was like, this is like the book of Acts. (laughs) You know, they were talking in tongues. They caught the attention of the people living there. I said, well, I'm speaking a spiritual language. She said, oh, the best kind. So you like spirituality, and, and I said, we're here, we're Christians, we're praying blessing on Morocco and the Moroccan people, we love Morocco. So oh, that's great, we believe Jesus is a prophet, and, uh, <clears throat> and I, you know, I know a lot of Muslims, I've talked a lot, I've had, I've had this talk, I know how to get to the, the button. Uh, <clears throat> and I was like, I was listening to her talking, but I brought her to play, I said, I actually believe that he wasn't just a good person, he was God. And that he, he took on humanity like a person puts on a, a, a coat so that he could walk among us. So, you know, it, it, God had to be clothed in order for him to walk among us. And Jesus, as God, took on humanity. And when I said that, her eyes changed and she got mad. All right? She was nice. When I said God took on humanity, that's the point. And she blasphemer. I was a blasphemer. To, to, to think that God would become man in the minds of most, many people in the world, especially Muslims, that is blasphemy against God. It's a defiling of God. Right? But it's, it's the key to the understanding of who God is, the character and person of God, that he was willing to take on our defilement. That's actually the point. Okay? That he's so big, our sin did not dirty him. But his, clean, his, 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 his power and his purity made our dirtiness pure when we accept him. <clears throat> it's the message of the gospel. God invaded humanity to save us. Uh, why is this important? Though he was God, he did not think it 
Uh, equality with God is something to cling to. Jesus was God, but he didn't have to hang on to it. That was his identity. Uh, that wasn't going to change. Instead, he gave up the, his divine privileges. It didn't mean he gave up being divine. He gave up the privileges of being in heaven, being worshipped, and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. This reveals um, God's nature. It reveals God's character to us. That God's way to victory is different than man's way. All right? If we wanted to conquer something, we amass an army, we get more power than the enemy, and we invade. But God invaded mankind as a baby. Okay? In weakness. Because God's strength all right, is different. God's method is different. So Jesus is 100% God and 100% human. Complete God, complete human. How should this shape us? It should shape us significantly. It worked really good all service. First service, it was like this all day. Every dun, 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 dun. How should this... God wants us to think. There it is. Okay, in the body of Jesus, God and mankind were literally reunited. Okay, in Jesus' body, the divine and the human were, were combined uh, in a literal way. So that means that we can be united with God in Christ. All right? Our bodies, as well as the whole of creation, finds freedom from the curse, every curse, in Jesus Christ, right? That separation that happened as a result of sin was, was, was fixed through the body of Jesus Christ. Jesus was fully God, fully man. And so our humanity, our brokenness, can be reconnected with God through Christ. And this is exactly what Paul says when he's explaining the same idea to a church to, almost 2,000 years ago. Um, he says, for God wanted them, them being all the people uh, in the world at that time, to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles. That means it wasn't just for one ethnic group. It wasn't just for the Jews. It was for every man, woman, and child on planet Earth. It's for everyone. And, it says, and then he says, and this is the secret. I love it when the Bible says, hey, this is the secret. <laughs> it's the most published book on planet Earth. This is the secret. All right? The secret is, this is now openly known, that Christ lives in you and gives you assurance of sharing in his glory. What's his glory? It's being connected with the Father. It's being one with God. All of that, it's heaven in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. All right? That we get to reconnect with God because God initiated it and reconnected with us. All right, so this, at this, this, this passage that we looked at the creed, just to sum up again, for us and for our salvation, <clears throat> he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. The incarnation of God, that, that God was willing to forsake all for you, for me, for us. It's huge. God's for you. And he did everything he could for, for your salvation. 
that Jesus is fully God. You need to believe this. You need to profess it. You need to base your life that he's the one on the throne. And he proved it not through a, a show of force or power, but through a show of humility. You need to believe that the Holy Spirit is essential. We need the Holy Spirit individually, as a church, and we need to believe that Jesus Christ is human. So would you just, just for a moment, maybe close your eyes if it helps. If there's any aspect in your life that's disconnected from God, Jesus is the way to get reconnected. And if you're here and you've never made a commitment to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never accepted this to be true, but now you you understand it and you want to. You can do that right now, right here, by saying, I believe this. I I may not understand it, but I believe it. I'm going to commit my life to it. And by doing that, you're beginning a journey of reconnecting with God and reconnecting all of your life with God. Or if you've been a Christian, but you've let part of your life get disconnected, God wants every part of it reconnected. And he doesn't mind getting dirty in the process. In humility, Jesus comes to bring salvation and restoration to your life. So let me just close in prayer. Father, we thank you that you're a God who loves us and has given all for us. And we reach out and we grab hold. And I pray for everyone here, they would know you fully, believe you wholly, and follow you the rest of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.